0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Weaves. Yes,
1: indeed. Here we go with a world welterweight title fight coming. Madison Square Garden, Saturday night, Terrence Bud Crawford, unbeaten WBO, world welterweight champ, will fight against his mandatory challenger, Idiges Kavalaskas, a.k.a. Mean Machine. It's a scheduled 12 round main event. ESPN will be televising All over the country, late night, Saturday night from the Garden, we're here to break it down. Good to have you with us. We've got a lot to cover here on the podcast, including Anthony Joshua's decision win over Andy Ruiz. I'm not going to sit here and uh, overwhelmingly make fun of the fight, but forgive me if it was uh, not as much of a barn burner. I mean, uh, we didn't know if it would live up to the fireworks of the June 1st Ruiz upset, the seventh round TKO, but this was a bit anticlimactic. Yes, Uh, Joshua was effective, he did what he had to do, he outboxed him, he he out-tactically outsmarted him, Um, and Ruiz hadn't trained for the fight, so it's a win for Ruiz, there's some of my thoughts, we'll get some guest thoughts on that coming off the weekend, also Jamal Charlo with a knockout win for his middleweight championship title defense uh, in the PBC uh, Showtime card last Saturday night at the Barclays Center, we'll get insight from one of our guests on that in a few moments and some more insight on Terrence Crawford before this uh, podcast is up and done. Let me lay out for you what we have. Marquise Johns will be here. Senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com is coming up straight ahead with his thoughts on the Joshua win over Ruiz, some of the other ins and outs that have gone on recently in boxing and then a preview of Crawford and Mean Machine Saturday night. Love Marquise's writings, his wit, his insight. Love having him on the podcast. Then Keith Eidek will be here from BoxingScene.com. Uh, Keith will be Covering the Crawford-Kavalaskas fight in the New York City area at the Garden for boxing scene as a senior writer and columnist. We'll get his insight on that, but we'll also ask him about Ruiz and Joshua as well in the state of the heavyweight division. And as well as Crawford trying to get a mega fight with a PBC fighter. That's his ultimate goal after this. Keith will have insight on all of that. And then Tony Boone will be back with us. Tony from the Omaha, Nebraska area. Why is that important? That's Terrence Crawford's hometown and home area. Tony has covered all of Crawford's humongous fights throughout his uh, career uh, from the early days as a contender and building up and world title fights uh, in Omaha and now branching out, whether it's Vegas or New York, etc. So Tony's got great insight on Terrence Crawford, insight into this fight, his future as well. I love going back to him on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. So we've got a multitude of guests to break all of this down. Some huge fights coming at the end of the year. Wilder's victory over Ortiz, uh, the Joshua title win here. Um, over Ruiz. Now we get this Terrence Crawford fight next weekend. Rematch. Jermel Charlo, Tony Harrison, uh, junior middleweight title fight. End of the year tank. Gervonta Davis back in action on Showtime before the year is up. Fighting in Atlanta as one of the, uh, the rising stars in the lighter weights, the smaller weight fighters. So there's a lot to talk about on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Reminder to subscribe if you just found our podcast through a social media link, uh, through Red Circle Podcasting. Subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Spreaker, on Google Podcasts. Find us uh, under the podcast search Big Fight Weekend and subscribe to this podcast, and it will come automatically to you, whether we do a preview one, a recap one. Subscribe away to Big Fight Weekend and find the site, bigfightweekend.com, for the latest information inside on everything, uh, boxing as well. So we've got all of that for you. We've got interviews. We've got guests coming up. A reminder that Big Fight Weekend is brought to you in part by our friends at Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. So if you're looking to go to the Garden for Saturday night and get the best seats for this Crawford Mean Machine uh, title fight, or any of these fights uh, that are be going that'll be going on and-, and will be taking place, including I mentioned uh, Charlo and Harrison coming at the Barclays Center, that Tank Davis title defense against Gamboa at the end of the month in Atlanta, get your tickets through Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. And we've got a great uh, promo code uh, for you, and that is Big Fight 10. 10% off your order if you're an initial user to Vivid Seats and the mobile app. Use Big Fight 10. Save 10% off your order up to 50 bucks, to go get those tickets to all the best fights. And the tickets right now, supposedly, for the Davis Gamboa fight are getting harder and harder to come by. It's nearing a sellout at the State Farm Arena in downtown Atlanta. So again... Use Vivid Seats. takes less than two minutes to sign up on the app. Your purchase is 100% guaranteed. Use our promo code Fight 10 I've done this myself with signing up with Vivid Seats. Use their promo codes. This will save you 10% off your order if you're a first-time user with the promo code Fight 10 So again, this is good for the NFL Sunday, for all the games that are going to be taking place. Use that promo code as well if you're hearing me uh, here for all of these different uh, matchups, whether you're talking about the Cowboys playing the Rams, uh, the 49ers out west with the Falcons. I'll be in Detroit with the Buccaneers and the Lions. That promo code is still good for vivid seats and their NFL game action. Use the promo code Fight 10 Make your purchase. Get all your best seats. Uh, They're on the secondary market through Vivid Seats. Sign up on the mobile app and save with the promo code BIGFIGHT10. Let's get to our guests. Let's get to the recaps of Joshua Ruiz. The preview of Crawford and Mean Machine Saturday night on ESPN. It is the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Let's get rolling. A lot of times I have him batting cleanup on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast, but the uh, guy that is the senior writer, the purveyor of BigFightWeekend.com, he is... In the words of Bobby Brown in the 90s, too hot to handle, too cold to hold. Or was that like in the 80s? Maybe it was uh, Ghostbusters with uh, too hot to handle, too cold to hold. I can't remember uh, which it was. Uh, But in any event, uh, we got to have him first here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast before we get to our other guests. Marquise John's back with me. We've got a bunch to talk about. We'll get to the Crawford uh, title defense at Madison Square Garden and that card that's coming up. Uh, First, good to be with you, and uh, we now have the second of the two heavyweight title fights that took place here at the end of the year in the books with Anthony Joshua defeating Andy Ruiz and regaining his unified belt. So it's good to have you here, and we got a lot to talk about.
2: Absolutely, TJ. Thanks for having me on, and I got my proton pack at the back, and I split. Looking forward to it, man.
1: (laughs) I always love the line uh, where, what is it, Egon in the elevator that says... uh, we're, crossing the streams would be bad, and uh, and Vinkman says bad isn't bad or bad isn't good. Isn't, so is this yeah. segment going to be bad isn't bad or bad isn't good? I'm not sure oh, which. We're going to find out. I
2: it bad isn't good.
1: We gotta, <laughs> hopefully it is bad isn't good. Um, all right, so was the Joshua Ruiz rematch bad isn't bad or bad isn't good? Let's mix it up a little bit. You wrote about it in the aftermath of the fight. Uh, I got chastised by our colleague David Payne, who's probably going to hear this at some point the boxing writer over in the U.K., for referring in the tweet as the fight being largely dull. How would you describe what you saw as Joshua dominated, got the decision, and got his belts back?
2: Absolutely ambient, TJ. And it was impressive that it was Joshua doing world-class boxing. And you know, we should have saw this coming up, by the way. He, Louise came in overweight, and it's well documented that he was parting apparently too much. He it, it reminded me, as everyone was mentioning before, TJ, about the whole Buster Douglas yes. thing when he was in his rematch. And it's funny because I wrote about this on bigfightweekend.com. And th- the same things that Louise was saying was exactly what Lu- Douglas was saying before he faced Holyfield. Where it's like, in his preparation that Douglas had for uh, Holyfield, he said he prepped by having second and third helpings, which is one of my favorite quotes, actually. <laughs> and apparently, so did Louise. And he became essentially a stationary target for 12 rounds, and he couldn't get in. He, he couldn't get inside, and he, even Louise had mentioned at this point where it's like obviously he was out of shape, shocker, and also that he was trying to land that one lucky punch, the one lucky punch he landed in the first fight. Well, history doesn't strike – lightning doesn't strike twice like that. You got to you know do a little better with that preparation. So that's what we got stuck with Joshua doing what he did in the first fight. He's like I mentioned to you before we was going to stick on the outside, stick his jab, and move around, and sure enough, he moved around moved around a lot and we got what we had on on, on, out in saudi arabia which is pretty pretty dull fight on for what should have been tj i mean you know the landscape as big as it was
1: we we had such fireworks june 1st at madison square garden and then we didn't yes each guy landed some significant punches here and there but 200 total punches land in the 12 rounds that's about half of what you would have expected in the fight. Joshua totally content, and I'm with you, full credit. The idea is to win... And so nobody can take away he had a smart strategy. Use your size, use your talent, use your jab, use the movement. And if the other guy can't figure you out and he's smaller and he can't close the distance and that's how you're going to win the fight, okay. But just please don't try to sell me that this was exciting, that this was uh, edge-of-your-seat stuff. Because by like the seventh or eighth round, it was obvious, like what you just said, if he did not, Ruiz, land a lucky punch, this is a boring one-sided decision. And that's what we got. We got a boring it's, one-sided decision.
2: Absolutely, TJ. We, if you saw the first round of this fight, you essentially saw all 12, which was, you know, <laughs> the outside, jab, move angle, out move louise who was obviously overweight and couldn't move around and keep up yeah and that's the the, that's the shame of
1: this and and honestly you know buster douglas never got back on the big stage and here we are 30 years later talking about a very similar scenario where andy ruiz may not get back on the big stage he might eventually get in front of deontay wilder at some point Joshua was not going to fight him a third time am i crazy he's not going to fight him again you don't need to fight him again
2: he, he, there's no reason to. And actually, if, if he does, it's not going to be until way down the line. And at this point, we, we want to see this fight Four or five years from now, this this, this is one of those performances, TJ, where you, you look back on it, even down the line, you'd be like, man, what is this? And then there's it, unless Louise does something sensational in the next two to three years to show otherwise, I don't think we see this ever. And at that point, I think it'll be too late. Either, either Joshua will be out of the game or Louise will be out of the game. Because if, if these figures are correct by, the, by this, this whole fight being take place in Saudi Arabia of, of the money – if these numbers are half true, because I don't believe it's the actual numbers that they, they always report to people. If it's half true, it's still a lot of money, and it's just, it's just hard for me to see that's going to, it's going to happen. Yeah, a third Supposedly
1: what you're referring to, Joshua, may have gotten as much as $60 million off the guarantee and then the rights of the pay-per-view and that kind of stuff. I don't know that I believe that it was that yeah. much. Uh, and, and and Ruiz may have gotten about a third of that, may have gotten between 15 and 20 million. Again, I don't know that I believe that fully either. But certainly with these two fights, Ruiz should be set for life, you would think. Uh, and And Joshua obviously has made mega, mega tens of millions throughout his career because of his vast popularity in the UK and in Europe. All right, so that segues into the next thing. Uh, uh-huh. I wrote about this late in the week on BigFightWeekend.com. So let's talk about it here on part of the podcast. You've written about it as well. Joshua has, uh, really has a quandary. He's got both the IBF and the WBO demanding that he fight their number one contender, and it's different guys. Uh, Kubrat Pulev the uh, the bulgarian contender is the ibf number 1 alexander usyk the former world cruiserweight champion unbeaten number 1 contender by the wbo uh, they have demanded that that joshua fight him in the next 180 days or else one of those organizations is probably going to strip him of one of those heavyweight title belts uh, Marquise, navigate through this. What do you think happens? Who do you think Joshua fights next? And which which belt is he possibly going to give up?
2: If I had to pick one for Joshua, the next next uh, plan of events for him, I think he's facing Pulav next, mainly because in the grand scheme of things, TJ, it's an easier fight. With Usyk also, keep in mind, uh, TJ, Usyk is also part of matchroom boxing. And my thinking is, mm-hmm. it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, me being the conspiracy theorist that I am, is that he drops this WBO belt it becomes you know vacant, you know whatever have you and it, it goes up for grabs and you know, be essentially Usyk versus more than likely because as we, as we as we have this recording TJ uh, Tyson is number three that's not likely. but it, the next man behind that is Joseph Parker, who is also on matchroom boxing stable. so essentially keeps the boxing uh, heavyweight belt for the WBO in-house with matchroom and they they they'll fight for it on their end while Joshua fights Pulev, who is going to be thirty nine and has not looked very impressive coming off a sexual harassment charge. Right, just got, fought, fought, fought the Veterans Day weekend on um, on this card out in California uh, in a, a, against my boy, rocking Rydell Booker, and jabbed him, to, jabbed all of us to sleep for about ten rounds, and was not very impressive with that one. So if I'm Joshua, I'm facing Pulev all day, every day, twenty five days a Sunday.
1: More well, likely, but, but I mean that that fight doesn't excite a whole lot of people. I mean, it might excite mm. the Brits that it's that it's back in the UK. They may they may hold the fight. I know the uh, I believe the London Daily Mail had the story earlier in the week. Uh, that they may have the fight at Tottenham Hotspur New Stadium, the billion-dollar stadium. And, and uh, Marquise, you know this, but for the audience on BigFightWeekend.com, I was in that stadium for the NFL game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers back in October. State-of-the-art, amazing facility for English soccer or football and American football. They're going to play two NFL games, Marquise, there every year uh-huh. for like the next five years as part oh. of the agreement. Uh, to get that stadium built. So that's that's an amazing facility. It would seat at least 60,000. That may be where Joshua fights Pulev. Back to this thing with Usyk um, and, and whether or not Eddie Hearn has uh, the carrot in front of him twofold. Number one, that you could fight Derek Chisora which which Hearn was talking as recently as almost two weeks ago here, that that he thinks that Usyk and Chisura can, Chisura can happen. Uh, Chisura is a British heavyweight contender for February. Mm-hmm. That fight may be happening about 90 days from now. And what may happen, and this has happened before, that even though he's ranked number one, and he's supposed to be in line, and the WBO sets the deadline, Eddie Hearn says... To, uh, to Usyk, wait your turn. When Joshua is done, he's coming to you, let's say, in August or September, or, so, or September or October, something like that. And, oh, by the uh-huh. way, we'll sweeten it for you. We'll give you an extra mill or an extra couple mil here to just play along and, and fight Chisora in the meantime on a separate card and wait for us. Do you buy that, that maybe he ends up Joshua fighting both guys, give uh, Usyk a little bit of money, and then everybody makes nice, and he doesn't get stripped of the belts?
2: That makes more sense, too. And, you know, it, it, as you know, TJ, money walks in all of this. If, 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 at the end of the day, Hern can probably just pretty much keep keep aside w, the WBO mandatory in terms of cash flow. Because if, if, it, if, it, if Joshua drops that belt, essentially that belt becomes, you know, up for grabs again. And, and the, the whole process, I, I think at some point, they're trying to unify these belts in the heavyweight division one way or another. They made recently, of course, Dillian White, the WBC mandatory. Wherever that actually happens between our, our lifetime is another story. <laughs> but they made that happen once again. I mean, I mean, not not for nothing. They made him mandatory since I think the Obama administration here. When we're going, we're going on on like right. eight years here. So, um, if there's ever a time where that WBC franchise tag kicks in for Deontay Wilder, I assure you, you can put this on tape now. It will happen with that before that fight happens. Wow, but. Uh, more importantly, with, with Usyk giving give, giving Usyk Chizhov to fight also gives him also something to do in terms of actually competition wise because the last time Usyk was out in, in his heavyweight debut he fought as you know Chaz Wiverspoon, and essentially he just waited for Witherspoon to tire out because he came in on a week's rest and was at a car auction and wasn't <laughs> had enough
0: time to train for the <laughs> fight. That's join M-I-D-I dot com.
2: So at this point, Chisora, who is an actual boxer who trains for a living, may, may actually give like comp- an actual fight for once, which uh, actually not for nothing would be a pre- would be a more interesting fight to watch with Usyk Chisora as opposed and, to And look, Usyk and I'll interject, Parker.
1: the argument can be made that if Joshua is fighting Pulev and Usyk fights Chisora first in February and let's say wins and wins spectacularly, then that sets everything up. Now now Eddie Hearn's leverage would be with the WBO, hey, we're coming to that guy next. Whether you want to semantically strip me, uh, 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 you know, strip Joshua of the belt, Uh, And and so uh, you're going to have Usyk fight somebody else before he fights Joshua or just let Joshua hang on to the belt and Usyk gets the fight anyway, especially if he's spectacular in February. So that could be one of the uh, contingency parts of what Anthony Joshua does next. And of course, in February also, we get Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury in the rematch. And what happens in that fight and is the winner maybe involved in our lifetime in fighting Anthony Joshua somewhere down the road? Um, And I still go along with what David Payne said, uh, and and David continues to maintain this off of what Joshua has said, what he's hearing, what his intuition tells him, that that Anthony Joshua may not be long for continuing to fight. Even though he's in his mid-20s, he may just lose interest here after another, he's got all the money, after another year or two, he may do something else. I find it hard to believe, but David has been maintaining that, that Joshua could easily fight another once or twice and say, I'm good. I'm good financially. I'm good otherwise. Who knows it makes, is the point. Who
2: knows? I mean, it makes sense, AJ, because if, 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 to, to pay, piggyback that, he has a, have a side promotional outlet like a lot of these boxers do with like 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 bottom squad promotions with Wilder and et cetera, where he has an, a promotional outlet where he can just you know use his money to upstart kind of like Mayweather promotions and just do that along the side and just still be involved in the fight game at, with, with all the payday money as opposed to actually being in the ring fighting for it. So no – I could see Joshua dropping out, especially after this last. It would be it. hard it,
1: to believe. It would be hard be to believe hard. that he would walk away when he could easily fight at a high level for another three or four or five years, easily. Uh, mm. But I don't know. I don't know if his heart's really in it. And he's talked openly that uh, that he may be wanting to walk away after ten years in the sport. That that would be enough to just walk away. We'll see on Anthony Joshua. So, all right. So we've dwelled a lot on him. I want to get to. Uh, a couple of other subjects uh, here before we get to your thoughts on the Crawford Cavaloskis main event Saturday night Madison Square Garden at the time that we're taping in the preview mode and and the fight card that's under it on ESPN here in the United States WBO world welterweight title fight in that one got a lightweight title fight on the undercard with Teofimo Lopez Richard Comey so Uh, We'll get to those in just a second. What do you make of this Daniel Jacobs, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Controversial fight that's been moved from Vegas, allegedly now to take place next Friday night, the 20th of December, in Phoenix? The controversy because Chavez ducked a drug test that uh, the fight was supposed to be in Vegas. Nevada wanted to drug test him. He ducked the drug test. Nevada suspended him. He's now suing the Nevada State Athletic Commission to be <laughs> able to fight somewhere else. What do you make of this? Is Chavez going to step through the ropes and fight Jacobs? Uh, with Jacobs in particular trying to get back in a title picture, maybe against Canelo Alvarez in a rematch, maybe against Gennady Golovkin in a rematch. Chavez Jr. kind of hanging on to his career, hanging on to his dad's legacy. What do you make of the drug controversy, and will this fight happen, Marquise?
2: I don't think, TJ, this fight is going to happen anytime soon. It's intriguing because this fight is being sanctioned drug testing-wise by a little-known company called Drug Free Sport, which sounds like, if you didn't know any better, a... A Walmart version of a drug testing uh, company, <laughs> but they also do a lot of minor league baseball and uh, cor- apparently the NFL. Do they have I,
1: someone on the headset of the drive thru asking if we want to supersize it? I'm just kidding. Continue I, drug-free I, I, sport. I,
2: continue. with drug-free sport was intriguing to meet with them is that, as you may have guessed, as reported, I am. I, I submitted a couple of the media inquiries to find out about you know their process and what's going on with this. You know, just asking a question like, hey. What are you guys testing these guys for? And the, there was, of a, a story that leaked out. Apparently, that hey, these guys came out clean, which is cool until you find out, you know, six, seven months down the line, if this fight ever actually was supposed to happen, that oh yeah, he had this in the system because, like with league, the, the company that tests for minor league baseball is notorious for this, where they'll test people in winter ball and then wait till the middle of spring training, TJ, which is a solid six to seven months afterwards, and be like, hey, uh, that that uh, steroid you tested for, yeah, we got you. Like, uh, go right. ahead and take this one out. So it's intriguing how they, they 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 tried to skirt the drug testing policy by trying to move the site away from Vegas to Arizona. I mean, if they wanted to really just skirt this, TJ, they, they could just move the site to and Mexico. And by the way, <laughs>
1: this should be mentioned because Eddie Hearn got a letter from the Nevada State Athletic Commission Chairman Bob Bennett. Again, I wrote about this as we talk with Marquise Johns here, the senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. I help him out where I can, write a little bit, host the podcast here, but I wrote about the letter that uh, it's Bob Bennett, I believe, off the top of my head, that is the the head huh? of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. He wrote a scathing letter that basically said, when your guy Chavez didn't submit to the drug test, it is the same thing as a failed test. He hasn't appeared at the hearing before us, and you are potentially, Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing, in violation of U.S. federal law under the Muhammad Ali Act because you're going to another state, like you described, Marquise, to have the fight because we're not letting you fight here and your license is going to be in jeopardy with us about future fights. Any future fights here for the next year or more, you're going to be in jeopardy if you do this. I, I, It's a real game of chicken right now on who's going to blink and it sounds to me like you think Chavez may blink before next Friday night.
2: I do think Chavez is going to blink on this. And they'll have him sit this one out. I really think the next man up on that fight is going to take place on the 20th. But it's really intriguing because also the, pr- the promotion for this fight kind of has died down a little bit. I've- I haven't seen as much ad promotion-wise for it as I had seen for upper matching fights like this Joshua Luiz thing, which had commercials all over the place for it that you couldn't find. And this is the next big fight for zone and it's like, well, who's fighting on it? It's Jacobs. It's a mess.
1: It's, it's a to mess. to be determined, they, apparently. They, they don't know who to promote, because if you start running all the promos about uh, Chavez Jr. off his dad's name and blah, and legacy and blah, 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 and then he's not fighting, it is a mess seven, eight days out, depending on when you're listening to the podcast. And again, for Jacobs, one of the good guys in the sport, uh has the two losses to the highest end of fighters in Golovkin and Alvarez and would love to get a shot back at one of them this fight's supposed to be at 168 but he he has maintained he could easily move back down to 160 and fight Golovkin again in a rematch would fight Canelo again if it were to come to it they fought in May don't know that Canelo would want to fight him again but would fight him at 168 don't know that Jacobs could make it up to light heavyweight at 175 who knows all right so we'll see if If that fight comes about. All right, my friend. So Terrence Crawford in the ring uh, with Kavalaskis. Ejegis. Did I get that right? Ejegis Kavalaskis. Ejegis Cavaloskis. Better known as Mean Machine. So we're going to call him Machine or Mean Machine a lot whenever we're saying it or whenever we're writing it for this weekend. You wrote, does Mean Machine really have a chance in this fight? And you're not even sure if he really has a chance against the very talented Crawford who's heavily favored. What about it?
2: Not at all, TJ. And it's interesting because th- there's not much media going around about this fight in terms of Crawford's opponent. There's a lot about Crawford talking about, you know, go- going to the PBC guys again, asking, hey, when am i going to fight you guys across the street, you know, where – Where's Spence? Where's Furman? Where's Porter? Where's Garcia? The list goes on and on and on about PBC, PBC welterweights. Nothing about the two-time Olympian from uh, from Lithuania that he's facing as a WBO mandatory this Saturday at Madison Square Garden. So I pose that question because a lot of folks are looking at him in terms of like as a and it's a general whole is is this a stay busy fight for Crawford as he he's pretty much overlooked because. For Kavalaskis, he didn't look good back earlier this year when he fa- faced Ray Robinson in Philadelphia to a very bad draw, mind you, which, you know, and that, in that draw, it looked like he lost the fight, but they made it a draw because it was a majority draw. And, and it's interesting with Kavalaskis when Mean Machine with what version of him is going to show up because the one that had, that had a problem with Ray Robinson is going to have the same problem with Crawford with facing angles and switches stances because that's what the problem that with Crawford does with everyone. That's why he's arguably the pound-for-pound pound greatest. And it's funny because with Kavalaskis as well, one... If anybody knows Crawford least than him, it would be Kavalaskis, Moling because he's been the mandatory at this point, TJ, for about the the entire 2019 year. The, the, this fight honestly could have been made back when he instead of Amir Khan, it could have been Kavalaskis. But right they, they kept, they kept him moving. But they kept it they they kept us on standby because at some point either top rank or someone in the someone in the know Bob Aaron knew that they didn't have anybody for Crawford to face at this point for the, until the end of the year for him. Because this is this is his second go go-around with you know fighting on Madison Square Garden the day of the Heisman ceremony on this Saturday night in Madison Square Garden, in New York. And they have this fight just pretty much as is. So everyone looking around at the main event for Crawford was like, this is all you got for this guy? Like, there's nothing else for Crawford? Like, you guys can't find anybody for him to fight? (laughs) It is,
1: is, as you mentioned, on Big ESPN. It is supposed to be an easy win, but you never know in boxing. And again, Kavalaskis is 21-0-1. This is obviously the best fighter that he's ever fought. Um, Let's see, 31 years of age. As you mentioned, Lithuanian Olympian. Let's see if he poses a threat. I believe, Marquise, before we get out of here with you, uh, that the Teofimo Lopez Richard Comey fight below it may be the better fight. It might be the best fight on this card, the co feature for Saturday night.
2: Absolutely. This actually is probably the best fight on this card. And it's funny because, in one more against with top rank, this would have been the main event listed, TJ. But of course, it's Crawford. You can't bump Crawford for this. So you got to let the next man up on that. Comey Lopez. Has way too much on the line for it to be not to be the main event in some cases, but in this case, it's not. With the winner, of course, being uh, Kami has currently has the IBF uh, lightweight belt at one thirty five, which will face the winner of Loma. Pretty much, limited of this fight will face Lomachenko, which will happen at some point next year. Which is why this fight's so huge. It's intriguing, TJ, to find out what version of Teofimo Lopez is showing up for this one. If it's the one that uh, struggled against uh, Nakatani back earlier this year. When, on the same card, unfortunately, Dodishev passed away on because he was the main event for it. It's going to be a problem for him because Kami can Kami can crack, and if, if otherwise, Kami is going to run into some problems with Lopez because we know that Lopez has been making highlight reel knockouts up and down of the, of the entire spectrum until right. that Nakatani fight showed up with the Fortnite dances. So that's why it's <laughs> thing about this one. With that and also then based on what I've heard all week with, with Lopez is that hey, he's focused, he's got his life together, you know, he's currently he's recently married, he's got all that situated family wise. So he, he sounds like he's in the right place to go around. He didn't sound in the right place TJ, two months ago, so he sounds okay now. But Kami has the has the belt and he wants to represent Ghana. He's not trying to just go he's he's looking forward to fighting in New York and looking forward to maintaining. And and Lopez
1: his belt. uh born and bred in Brooklyn and and uh, Kami is a is a converted uh, New Yorker and, uh-huh. uh, and so there, there's going to be a New York angle, New York attitude, uh, to this one as well. And another guy that we enjoy, and you'll be writing about these fights in the preview mode and in the recap mode all weekend on bigfightweekend.com. Marquise will be is, uh, Mick Conlon, Michael Conlon, uh, who fought earlier this fall in Ireland, up and coming, unbeaten contender. He's on this card as well. I'm anxious to see how he does on the undercard before the Crawford main event.
2: Absolutely. He's going to lead the show off on ESPN after the Heisman Trophy winners picked. And I'm looking forward to that one because it's the rematch of the 2016 Rio fight that was ended with Vladimir Nick Kim is the guy he's facing. And I'm looking forward to seeing if Colin can actually step up because this is one of those fights where Conlon needs to show that he is able to move up at, at, at February at 126 because he's been facing some competition that's not been very good, TJ, for the last year and a half now. Over in Belfast, he fought a guy, Diego Luis, who was undersized. He knocked him out. That's cool. But before that, he faced uh, Rupert Hernandez on St. Patrick's Day, which was 10 rounds of him just dancing around a little bit. So it's cool to see what happens with that. But it's always good to see these rematch fights, TJ, especially ones from the Olympics that actually are able to come back to fruition once they turn pro. It's always good to see. I don't think Nick comes ready because this will be his four professional fight. And he's coming up with arm surgery. But hey, we, we get the fight nonetheless. And I'm looking forward to it.
1: Lots of subplots on this one. So again, we encourage everybody check out the website. Uh, check out Marquise and his insight. Plug away on how we find you on social media and elsewhere, because I know we're excited to watch all of this unfold. And, it, and it's just kind of part of a barrage of fights here in December to end the year. But plug away, Marquise, on, uh, on After- much more.
2: Absolutely, TJ. You can find me on Twitter at WeekSauce Radio, all one word. Still putting up my TJ, my Twitter, my millennial Twitter handle all, all the time, online every chance I get. I'm still looking for someone to challenge me on this. That's the that's always going to be there. Also, you can find my writings and news, boxing recaps of these fights this weekend and anything else coming on in the world of the sweet science at
1: BigFightWeekend.com. Yeah, no doubt that uh, whether it is the fights this weekend, next weekend. Uh, Charlo Harrison, the rematch. You will be, I believe, in attendance for Javante Davis and his title defense against Gamboa in Atlanta on Showtime, December Mm -hmm. 28th. We had Ruiz Joshua last week, so it is fight season. There's no doubt they want to keep up with it all on BigFightWeekend.com here as all of this unfolds. Marquise, I always love the insight. Let's see if we get a good one or two, maybe, on this Crawford. Fight card, Madison Square Garden, Saturday night on Big ESPN. We'll find out what happens. We'll be reading you on the site. Thank you, sir.
2: Thank you, TJ. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Still to come. We'll hear from Keith Eideck of BoxingScene.com, their senior writer. Also, Tony Boone, who's covered all of Terrence Crawford's humongous fights, formerly with the Omaha a newspaper, the Omaha World Leader. Love his insight on Terrence Crawford. Look forward to hearing from both of those guests in a little bit. Big Fight Weekend is also brought to you in part by Play Pick Six and the Play Pick Six mobile app available right now in the Apple or Google Play Store. If you think you know everything about college football with the bowl games coming up, the NFL season, the NBA, college basketball now going, the NHL, put it to the test with the Play Pick Six mobile app for free. Download the app for free. Pick any six games in a given day, cross sports, football, basketball, uh, the hockey, as I mentioned. Uh, utilize the app to pick those six games. And if you get all six correct, then you get a sports restaurant gift card from our friends at Play Pick Six. So download the app. It'll take you just a moment or two to download the app. You can go to playpick6.com and find out more about the app. But go to the Google Play Store, go to the Apple Store, download the app. Free to sign up, free to play. Pick any six games, and you get the opportunity to win with Play Pick Six a great gift card for free at a sports restaurant. It costs nothing to play, nothing to enter. Go to Play Pick Six again, Google Play, Apple Store. Love the insight on that. Uh, again, it's a fun way to play, to enjoy all those games on Saturdays, on Sundays especially. Find out what you know with play pick six. All right, let's get rolling. More guests, more inside of the fights this weekend as we continue along on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves has been a little while since I've had the chance to get some wisdom, to get some knowledge, to get some insight from senior boxing writer and columnist from BoxingScene.com. Keith Idek is back with me here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Always good to be with you. Happy holidays. It is fight season. we got a lot of action that we've already seen in December. We've got some more this weekend at the Garden and before the year is over. Good to have you here as we break it all down, Keith.
3: Hey, uh, Great to be on, TJ. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, happy holidays to you and yours there as well.
1: There we go. All right, so let's begin with Ruiz and Joshua. I have said before you've come on.
0: It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com. That's JoinMIDI.com. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM
3: for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM
1: on not a not a unique opinion here that joshua deserves credit to an extent for doing what he needed to do used his talent used his size his boxing ability to me though a dull fight a largely dull fight he wins great well that's my opinion your thoughts on him regaining the unified belts uh last saturday night in saudi arabia against andy ruiz if you would please
3: yeah, I agree that it was a it was a dull fight obviously, but Joshua did what he needed to do to win the fight. And first and foremost, that's what he had to do. He had to regain his titles, put himself back in position where he could call the shots so to speak by being such a big star in England. And he fought appropriately. I mean, you know, he couldn't get in there and trade with Andy Ruiz, who has faster hands and obviously the power to hurt Joshua. So he fought cautiously and he's been criticized for that, which is somewhat understandable, but again, he followed the old boxing axiom that you win today and look good tomorrow. So now he's in position where he has a lot of leverage, you know, he has a lot of leverage again, and that's what he needed to do. So, I mean, credit to him also, he, he lost 10 pounds. He saw something in his previous performance where he needed to make adjustments in training camp and come in and uh, more mobile. And, and he wasn't out of shape in the first fight. He was just maybe too muscular and a little too stiff. So he made the proper adjustments. Whereas Andy Ruiz obviously came in 15 and a half pounds heavier didn't take training seriously and paid dearly
1: for it i think those are all great points of course keith Adick lives by look good every day no matter what don't just look good tomorrow that's that's just who he is <laughs> well, <laughs> joshua you know joshua did look good with the with the jab and with the movement and tactically fought the the smart fight and you're a contemporary of mine we we live long enough we see it all right in sports we got the reincarnation of buster douglas last saturday night it's the same thing where he didn't take his training seriously, just like Douglas back in 1990, it did not end with a one-punch knockout like Holyfield did on Douglas in the fall of 1990. But here, I mean, I shake my head. How are you not in shape for this for this uh, rematch with everything that's at stake? It's amazing. We we now we now have a bookend to Buster Douglas 29 years later with Andy Ruiz, right?
3: Yeah, we do. You know, the interesting thing, TJ, is that this didn't surprise a lot of people in boxing, particularly Bob Arum, whose company Top Rank promoted Andy Ruiz for much of his career because they had always had these issues with Andy. Uh, The stakes, of course, were a lot lower, but he would come in at a reasonable weight and perform well because he's a really talented guy and he's got a great chin. Um, But he would come in, he would perform well, and then the next fight he would be you know, not necessarily 15 pounds heavier, but heavier. And then there were times he came in when he had been in the 250s and come in in the 270s, and then he didn't perform as well. So here, where you know it, it's almost understandable to some degree where you would get a little carried away with celebrating because he pulled off one of the biggest upsets in boxing history, but he had six months in between the fights. So even if you went a little nuts for, for two or three months, let's just say three months, you still had three months to get in shape for the fight. So it's kind of inexplicable that he did what he did and, and his trainer Manny Robles and his dad Andy Ruiz Sr. had had been, you know, basically hammering home to him the whole time. Hey, you're running out of time to get in shape. What are you doing? Get to the gym. Stop making all these appearances. Stop partying. Stop throwing parties. You know, get back in the gym and get get it together before you put yourself in position where you lose this rematch. And unfortunately, that's what happened for him.
1: Absolutely. Uh, again, I love uh, Keith Idix insight from BoxingScene.com. Uh, I'm going to half joke here. Uh, are we going to see? Uh, Joshua Wilder, before we're old and gray and maybe in the retirement home ourselves. Is that going to happen sometime next decade? I mean, what, uh, come on.
3: Well, next decade is a long time, right? We start a new decade in a couple of weeks here, so we have 10 years, 10 full years to make it happen. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, TJ. I'd like to be optimistic and say that the fight will happen in 2020, but I don't see it uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, first and foremost, uh Wilder has a, con- a two-fight contract with Tyson Fury. So assuming their, their rematch in February warrants a, uh, you know, as long as Wilder doesn't knock Fury out cold or, or Fury doesn't win 12 rounds to zero, there's obviously going to be a call for a third fight. So that'll take us through 2020. They'll probably fight... They're saying they'll fight in February and June. I don't see it being that quick. uh, I
1: I haven't heard a lot about this, so you think this hmm. is kind of foregone conclusion that the next two fights for Wilder and Fury will be each other, no matter what?
3: Yeah, again, again, barring that the rematch isn't non-competitive from either side of it, I think we'll see the third fight in 2020. And then I sincerely doubt that either fighter would fight a third time in 2020. They'll make a massive amount of money. I think they'll put some distance between the first, the, the rematch and what would be the third fight. Uh, so that'll take us through 2020. And Joshua also has two mandatories due, the first of which will be against Kubrat Pulev, uh, probably in April or May in London. Um, he, he's bound by the IBF uh, to make that defense by the end of May, and it'll, it'll happen before then. Then he also has a mandatory due against Alexander Usyk, which would be a very interesting fight because Usyk is the, you know, former undisputed cruiserweight champion a smaller heavyweight, but a fantastic boxer and could give Joshua a lot of trouble. So assuming that fight happens, those would probably be Joshua's next two fights. Now, there are people that think that he might give up the WBO title as opposed to making that defense against Usyk. But if he if he takes those two fights, that takes him through 2020. We're already into 2021, the second year of the decade, <laughs> and they won't have fought. <laughs> we're just back in the, in that in that same hamster wheel that we were in before he got knocked out by Ruiz.
1: Yeah, uh, and we touched on this before you came on that that the six month deadline could move. Amazing how this works could move if Eddie Hearn uh, and Matchroom were to say to Usyk, "We'll give you a couple mil extra. Hey WBO, hang in there because we're gonna fight in the fall. We're gonna fight maybe in August, September, something like that uh, after this April May. With Pulev, that could happen, uh, and and we could see both of these fights and him not stripped. Then again, the WBO may go ahead and say we're taking the belt from you, and Usyk's fighting someone else for that version, and then and now the belts are fragmented even more. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll we'll see uh, we'll see what the process is on that, and if the Pulev fight is the next one. Uh, or not for Joshua. Um, all right, uh, I know you covered uh, the Jermall Charlo win over Dennis Hogan for boxing scene uh, last weekend, Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Give me your thought coming off that fight. It's obviously a knockout win for Charlo at 160, but give me your thought coming off that fight about Charlo, his future.
3: Yeah, I mean, that that fight was obviously uh, the result of that fight was what we expected, basically, even though Dennis Hogan had never been knocked out. He was a smaller guy moving up with not much power. Jamal Charlo, obviously, is a big middleweight uh, and and has some pops. So the result wasn't unexpected. And and I think, again, uh, much like the Wilder Joshua thing, we're kind of in the same holding pattern with Jamal Charlo in the sense that he says he wants to fight Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin, uh, to a lesser degree, Demetrius Andre, Danny Jacobs none of these fights are any closer to happening than they were this time a year ago because of the, you know, the fragmentation with the streaming services and the networks and the promoters and the advisors. So I don't know that he's any closer to getting that kind of fight. What I think could happen for him, TJ, is uh, Chris Eubank Jr. fought on the undercard. It was an inconclusive result because Matt Korobov got hurt in the second round. He hurt his shoulder and couldn't continue. Uh, But uh, Eubank was not in that co-feature for no reason. I mean, it wasn't coincidental. They were setting that, up that fight potentially. Uh, also, Sergey Derevianchenko was at ringside and has more flexibility than the other fighters that I mentioned because he's not contractually obligated to zone. He's also advised by Al Heyman, as is Jamal Charlo. So that's a fight that we also could see, I think. I think we would see the Eubank fight first because Charlo would view that as a more winnable fight than Derevianchenko, whereas Derevianchenko is a very high-risk guy but doesn't come with the name recognition that Gennady Golovkin or obviously Canelo Alvarez has.
1: All good stuff from Keith Adek. Love his insight from BoxingScene.com, senior writer and columnist. And he's always gracious to pop on with me here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast as we head towards the weekend. And here we go at the Garden with Terrence Crawford, Bud Crawford defending his WBO version of the welterweight uh, championship against Mean Machine Cavaloskis in, in the main event. Um, All right. So a lot's been made in the buildup of this as we head to Saturday night about who Crawford is not able to fight. It's almost the bigger story. It's almost like it's a foregone conclusion. He's going to win and win easily here. And the bigger story is he can't fight one of the PBC guys like Pacquiao. Uh, or Errol Spence, who had the car accident, or or Sean Porter, or one of those guys. Keith, what do you make of this uh, this week? And if and if Crawford is spectacular Saturday night, how much does that help his leverage, if at all, uh, to get one of those other big fights in 2020?
3: Well, it was interesting because Bob Arum told me a couple of days ago that he would like to now make uh, Terrence Crawford against Sean Porter— Because Errol Spence is unavailable for the amount of time, we don't know. You know, he he could be out for a year for all we know. We really don't have much of an update on his injury status. So just taking him out of the equation, at least temporarily, Porter gave Spence a very difficult fight. He lost a split decision. Uh, You know, one of the best performances of Sean Porter's career, particularly against an elite level opponent. So now, Arum views Porter as more attractive as a potential opponent for Crawford as he did before. He I'm
1: laughing. I'm laughing because Bob, Bob Arum was making fun of Sean Porter left and right as course, not a legitimate championship contender Thank for Spence, Spence. Until now, he wants his wow. guy to fight Sean Porter. <laughs> exactly. Right. exactly. We love it. That yeah. is that is typically the way Bob goes about
3: his business. That's why we love him, obviously. But uh, he, you know, but it, I think that fight would be somewhat appealing to the public because uh, you, you know, Porter fought so well against Spence. Um, maybe before that fight, there would have been, there would have been less interest because Spence was healthy and people obviously want to see that fight before any other, uh, Spence and Craw- Crawford, I mean, so, uh, but taking Spence out of it, uh, you know, I, I think Porter is a, probably a makeable fight because he has fought all of the other PBC guys besides Manny Pacquiao. From what I've been told, Pacquiao is not particularly interested in fighting Porter because of his style. Uh, he thinks, you know, he, he, he's a rough physical guy, and he would prefer to fight someone else. Um, you know, He was willing to fight Spence, uh, which I don't think is a particularly good idea at the time, but, um, but he was willing to do that. So we'll have to see what Pacquiao could wind up fighting Danny Garcia if Danny Garcia beats Ivan Redcash, which he should on January 25th. So, um, But as far as Crawford goes, you know, if he doesn't fight Porter, uh, I don't see any of the other PBC guys fighting him, certainly not Pacquiao, because if that fight were going to happen, It would have happened when Pacquiao and Crawford both were promoted by Bob Arum. Uh, They always kept Pacquiao away from Crawford feeling that, you know, from a skills and style standpoint, he was just the wrong guy for Pacquiao to fight that he would pick Pacquiao apart and eventually stop him. So I don't see that fight happening. Um, But if he doesn't get a fight meaning Crawford, if he beats Cavalowskis and does not get a fight against the PBC guy, he's kind of in a position here where top rank has no welterweights left for him to fight that are, you know, ready to. They have other welterweights, but no one that's ready to fight Terrence Crawford. And who is really ready to fight Terrence Crawford except for the top, top guys in that division? But what we could see is Terrence Crawford fighting Jose Ramirez. Uh, Jose Ramirez, obviously an undefeated, unified junior welterweight champion who's making a mandatory defense against Victor Posto in February in China. If he wins that fight, as he should, I could see Ramirez moving up and fighting Crawford later in 2020.
1: Love the insight. Watch out for that that Keith Idick has. Hey, share this for the audience. I always love this. Uh, there is just something different. I know you were at the Barclays Center, no offense. I mean, there's different arenas, different stuff, whether you're talking about Atlantic City in the Northeast, some of these venues. When you step into the garden like this for a Saturday night Terrence Crawford world title fight, just share with the audience, it is different. Is it not In that in that arena, in that facility, that hallowed place?
3: It is. You know, I often tell people this, TJ, there's nothing like a huge fight night at the Garden. You know, I, you know I've been going to Madison Square Garden for a sporting events since I was a little kid, which is a long, long time ago now. But, um, you know, it is, a, it is one of those magical places. When you go there, you know you're somewhere, I guess is the best way to put it. And, you know, on a night like tomorrow night, you know, the, the crowd, I don't there will not be a sellout crowd. It might be half full or so. Um, but a good example is the night of the Ruiz-Joshua fight. It was a packed house. There were so many Brits coming over from England to watch Joshua's US debut. And uh and you saw one of the greatest upsets in the history of boxing. So all of that combined, that type of atmosphere was just amazing. You know, have been so many good ones over the years that we you know, when uh Evander Holyfield fought Lennox Lewis and you know, just that, you know, crazy controversial draw, you know, nights like that, you again, you know that you're somewhere special. And there really isn't anything like, you know, a lot of, there is competition in in New York from the Barclays Center, which does a great job with boxing now, but nothing obviously has the history of Madison Square Garden. And like I said, when you go there, you know, you're someplace special and, uh, and that'll be the case again tomorrow night.
1: Yeah. It's a roll call of who's who that Ali Frazier is the iconic, the first one, uh, the greatest, uh, heavyweight title fight to that point ever that was at the garden, but you move forward to some of the names, uh, that have fought there, stepped through the ropes there, uh it's it's amazing. Uh, the, the litany of fighters that have been in there, and now Terrence Crawford featured there yet again uh, coming up. So we'll see what happens. Hey, I'm also intrigued. Let's don't sell it short. I said this earlier in the podcast. This Lopez-Comey uh, 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 fight on the undercard, I think it could be very exciting. And, and these two guys both have New York ties with Teofimo Lopez being Brooklyn-born and bred. Could be some fireworks in this one. I'm intrigued by that one as well prior to the Crawford main event.
3: Yeah, TJ, I think a lot of people are looking more forward to the co-feature in this case than they are the main event because this is clearly the biggest fight or the most difficult fight of Teofimo Lopez's three year pro career. He's a very ambitious kid. He's extremely confident, very, very talented. He can punch, but Comey also can punch. So he's going to be in there with a with a guy who's more experienced than him at the championship level, has fought guys like you know, with the Robert Easter fight, which was uh, a fight that he lost by split decision, could have gone either way. Uh, you know, Comey is a, is a tough guy. He's got a good chin. Uh, a lot of people seem to think that Teofimo Lopez is going to take the fight to him early and try to blow him out early in the fight because Comey is a slow starter. Uh, that could lead to fireworks because if Comey withstands that type of onslaught early in the fight, it will it could turn into a dogfight later because Comey's a very tough guy, as I said, but he's also very hittable. Uh, Lopez is a very accurate puncher and a very strong kid and, a, and 10 years younger. So uh, I think we'll see some really, really good action in that fight and Again, I think most boxing fans, in terms of tomorrow night's card, are looking forward to that more than any other fight on the card.
1: Love it. Love this man's insight. Follow him on Twitter at boxing, IDEC IDIC Boxing. I D E C IDEC Boxing rights for boxing scene.com. I love in his Twitter bio bio that he gets a quick mention off of be nice until it's time to not be nice. <laughs> anybody that's anybody that's quoting Roadhouse in their Twitter bio and you, you gotta love me that I know that reference. The name is Absolutely. Dalton. Love that Absolutely. movie. <laughs> You're all right by me just on that alone. Uh, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. I I'm, love- glad, I'm
3: glad you got the reference. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love that. Pain don't hurt and all the other lines that uh, exactly. that uh, that he utters there in that one. You know, uh, Wesley's going to put yeah, something opinion, down opinion, on opinion, a new opinion, car. Uh, what, what is that with the okay. monster truck? We're, we're totally my, digressing, uh, quoting Roadhouse we, to each other. We on. are,
3: but uh, my, my favorite might be opinions vary. That's the ultimate. You
1: know, <laughs> I th- wait a minute. You know. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. <laughs> I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. So everybody <laughs> needs to look up Patrick Swayze, the late Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse so that they now know what we're Talking about Definitely. as Idick and I completely digress. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Read him BoxingScene.com. He'll be covering uh the big title fights at Madison Square Garden, writing about those before and after on BoxingScene.com at the Garden Saturday night. Keith Idick, thank you. Happy holiday.
0: Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call,
1: working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I always love getting to talk to you. Let's do it again in 2020. Thank you, brother.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, TJ. Happy holidays to
1: you and yours, man. Counting down to Crawford and Mean Machine, Cavaloskis. It is the main event. It is Saturday night, Madison Square Garden. ESPN will televise, not just on the streaming ESPN+, Plus, but big ESPN will televise after the Heisman Trophy Ceremony. We get Lopez and Comey first in the co-feature, and then Crawford back at the Garden defending his WBO Welterweight Championship. And who better... To give us some insight. I love Tony Boone's uh, work formerly with the Omaha World Herald, but Tony may be as qualified as anybody to talk Terrence Crawford covering his entire uh, career basically out of Nebraska into stardom, into worldwide stardom and all of his biggest fights, and Tony is back on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Great to have you. I know we talked to you earlier this year when Crawford was fighting Amir Khan, so it's good to have you back before this year is over, as Terrence Crawford is back before this is year before this year's over how are things good to have you
4: yeah i'm great thanks and uh you know i appreciate to be back on with you tj and you know i really didn't think we'd be waiting this long uh after the con fight for the next crawford fight i really thought that he wanted to do something here later in the summer um that's not the way that things worked out um but you know we have cavaloskis here at the end of the year uh it'll take care of his mandatory defense assuming crawford gets through it okay and uh you know, maybe look on to bigger and better things in 2020.
1: All right, so you and I b- briefly spoke off the air, and there's been so much talk about who Crawford's going to fight next and why can't he fight any of the PBC fighters. And you had an interesting take, and I said, stop, stop, save this for the podcast. This is this is the podcast, <laughs> we're doing the podcast. All right, so your take is, because again, you know Crawford very well, that, that people may be looking at this the wrong way. It's It's not so much that Crawford is maybe frustrated by it, but he's he's frustrated by what else? What other aspect of it?
4: In, in his case, it's it's not the frustration of not getting the fights right now. It's the frustration of not of having to talk about those fights right now, <laughs> knowing that they're not on the table. He absolutely hates being asked about Spence, and, and this goes even back to late 2014 when he was already being asked about Pacquiao when he knew that uh, even though Pacquiao was with top rank and so was he at the time, uh, that that fight was nowhere near going to be made at that time because Bob Arum didn't have any desire, you know, to throw his old lion to, to the young wolf at that point. And, uh, you know, as it turned out, Pacquiao ended up leaving top rank and that fight went by the wayside before it ever really got legs. Uh, but this is something he's been dealing with ever since he's become a world champion. And, uh, Would he love to have those fights, the the Spence fights, the Danny Garcia fights, the Sean Porter fights, the Keith Thurman fights, whoever has uh, titles over on the PBC uh, side. He absolutely would love to have those fights. He also knows they're not quick to be made and would rather just focus on the task at hand. He's really a throwback fighter uh, in in the ring and even more so outside of the ring. He really just wants to focus on the guy ahead of him, plow through that guy, and then move on to the next guy and line him up. (laughs) If he could fight more than one guy in one night, he probably would do it.
1: You mentioned that we've waited a while to see him, and you may have insight here, you may not. I don't know, and I, I did a little digging and I can't find it. I, I don't know how many more fights he has on the top-rank Aram deal. Uh, could you foresee him looking to be a free agent soon, or maybe go to Bob Aram and say, look, I, I, I'll fight again, maybe one more, but if we can't make a big one happen with one of the other guys, I would like to kind of go this way on my own here and take the chance. I don't know how Aaron would react to that. Do you have any insight on how much longer he has on that deal that seems to be restricting him from finding any of the PBC guys? What do you think?
4: Um, I don't have any insight on that, and I think that it's by by nature of what Top Rank wants. When they signed this deal, they called it a multi-year, multi-million dollar deal (laughs) and let no no one know anything about the particulars of either, the length of it or the amount of money that we are talking about. Um, in Crawford's case, you have to understand this guy came from absolutely nothing. Uh, so at the time when when he's looking to to re-sign with Top Rank or, or they're looking to re-sign him and lock him up, uh, you know they're, they're throwing a big money out um, out in front of him, a, a big number that's going to lock him up for a long time because they understand that that there might be things down the road that could frustrate him. Bob knew there were going to be hurdles. Uh, so did Todd DeBuff, um, who's the president of Top Rank, um, and so they wanted to get Terrence, you know, in house for basically infinity um, just so they didn't have to worry about this down the road. Um, And in Terrence's case, he's been all about uh, building a legacy, um, building a future for his family and future generations of profits here in Omaha, doing things within the North Omaha community here from from which he grew up and where he's reinvesting both his time and money. Um, This was a chance to take care of all that without having to do it fight by fight by taking uh, a big deal up front uh, he can take care of his and his future um, from that point forward. And when you don't have anything and you've never had anything, um, you, you can't fault a guy for, for for jumping at an opportunity like that. So I hold no um, nothing against Crawford sure. for accept, accepting the top-ranked deal at the time. Um, if you're just looking at it from a pure uh, dollars and looking forward to the future not knowing what's going to happen, uh, you absolutely have to take that when it's presented in front of you. Um but I know the top ranks you know probably knew that it was going to be uh a tough go here at least for a little while uh to get the fights that they really wanted to get made done for Crawford and uh you know trust me there's no hesitation on this side to pull the trigger on any of those fights bob will work with uh, uh al Heyman to make those fights happen the problem is on the other side they just always have other options without having to throw their guys up against Crawford they can fight each other you know and, and until Crawford's way past his prime if they wanted to.
1: Very well said on all of that, and the answer is all of us would take the money, no matter our background, if it was in front of us uh, on that. And you just touched on something that would be interesting because obviously Aram and Heyman and Top Rank and PBC have now worked together on a mega heavyweight uh, title rematch that's coming here that will share uh, revenue. It will share on both uh, Heyman's uh, Fox pay-per-view and ESPN's pay per pay-per-view. Does that give any hope? I know that's a heavyweight title fight. It's a totally different realm in terms of revenue. But does that give any hope that at some point, 2020, early 2021, that a Crawford top rank versus PBC, maybe Spence or Pacquiao could also cross promote? I know Crawford wants that. Does this give us any hope, this Wilder Fury coming in February, where they're they're using uh, each other's uh, leverage and contracts and everybody makes their money?
4: Oh, I think so. I think that any time that those two work together, that's going to bode well for the future, assuming that everything with you know that uh, single promotion goes okay. If everybody feels like they've done okay on that and everybody made a lot of money, then I think they, they'd they be more willing to work together in the future. Um, I know that in the past, and, and this is just coming straight from Aaron, that he has had no desire to put Crawford up against anybody other than Spence, but uh, since we don't know what Errol's future is going to look like after his car accident, how, uh, how soon is he going to get back, and and working out in the gym, you know, how many fights is he going to take, uh, you know, to get some of the rust off because he won't have been in there. And, and will he ever be even be the same fighter that he was? Um, he obviously was extremely lucky to walk away from that accident the way he did. Um, but we don't know what he's going to be like as a fighter sure. after he comes back from that. So um, I think that there's going to have to be um, some looking on the top rank side to maybe readjust what they think about that. You know, maybe uh, a Porter or a Danny Garcia or someone like that does become potential opponent next year while they wait to see, you know, what Spence's future is going to look like. Um, But yes, I I think um, to answer your question um, I think that if they do work together on these other projects and they go well for everybody, then there's a better chance that they can make this thing happen. The unique thing about this one is that um, we're just in a division where a lot of the top fighters are all aligned with one side and Crawford really stands alone on the other side. And that's not to say that Cavalowskis or, um, Alexander Best Putin or someone else on the top rank side, you know, can't be a potential opponent for Crawford. But they're not going to have the name recognition or the, you know, the build up legacy that the guys in the PBC guys on the PBC side have, have already built for themselves. Uh, and those are the fights that everyone wants Crawford to see: big money, big name fights against guys that you already know.
1: Love the insight of this man, Tony Boone. He's Tony G. Boone on Twitter, on social media. He's a great follow, especially for insight on Terrence Crawford. He's covered all of his big fights. He was there for Crawford and Amir Khan at the Garden uh, earlier this year. Crawford and Mean Machine Saturday night in the main event. A couple more moments here with Tony Boone on the Big Fight Weekend uh, podcast. Once more, I've asked you this a couple of times before, but for the audience that's hearing us here that maybe didn't hear it before, you've been around this guy. You kind of touched on it, came from nothing, wants to give back to the community. Uh, just say a little more about T- Terrence Crawford away from the ring. He seems very personable. You, you though, are the expert, if you will, on him outside of the ropes. Uh, what about Terrence Crawford, the guy, and he, he seems to be an easy guy to root for here?
4: Oh, he certainly is in, in a sense that uh, he he's always been true to his hometown. And so, you know, he has a backing here that you would expect from uh, any other fighter that's that's come from a place that, that doesn't have a lot of history within the sport. Um, this one maybe even a little more so because Crawford has stuck to it so much that he was told early on in his career, you know, look, dude, you're a great fighter, but you're never going to be able to make it out of Omaha because, you know, top-ranked fighters uh, just don't come out of, you know, that area. There, there's no history of it before. <laughs> and he, he straight-up said at the time when he was told that he probably should move to Vegas, you know, nah, nah, we're good here. Uh, that we're going to do it from here. Um, and not only has he done it from here, he's done it with the same crew that brought him up through the amateur ranks. Um, uh, his his main trainer back in the day was a guy named Midge minor. Uh, Midge was an older guy in a sense past, but Brian McIntyre was Midge's former fighter and right-hand man. And, uh, you know, was with Midge, even when he took some of the, the top Omaha fighters pro, they were in the corner when uh, Grover Wiley from here in Omaha upset Julio Cesar Chavez in Chavez's last fight. And, uh, you know, everyone kind of forgot that Bomac was one of the guys in the corner at that time. Wow. And Brian Brian loves to tell that story now and just sit there and nod his head as he's telling it. Yeah, we were the guys that came up with the game plan that eventually led to Chavez, you know, quitting on his stool. So um, there was a little bit of a claim to fame there for that group beforehand. Um, They've worked with Crawford since he was a little kid. Um, Terrence has always been like a little brother to them. And uh, now he's getting a chance to do that to some other fighters here in Omaha um, who have kind of looked up at him now that Crawford's in his early 30s. And uh, this group has been tight. Um, They're almost like a family. And uh, they've they've spread that out throughout their community. They've opened up a gym here in Omaha uh, just this past weekend. Crawford opened up a shop just down the street from that um, where he sells some of his TBC, Terrence Bud Crawford gear. Um, we haven't had anything like that in Omaha before, um, so he's really reached out. Um, he's he's spent some money buying some property here in town, and I don't think he's probably done uh, doing some things so with the North Omaha community, um, which is a rough neighborhood, but it's a neighborhood where Terrence grew up uh, to try to re- revitalize that area. Um, you know, his legacy is going to be beyond boxing by the time it's all said and done, and I think we're still a long way from Crawford walking out of the ring because, as I told you before, T.J. he is the most competitive guy you'll ever meet.
1: <laughs> you have shared a couple of stories, whether it's like cornhole, basketball, whatever. Look out. Stay out of his way. And, it, and it's part of, I guess, what makes him great in a boxing ring, too, right?
4: Oh, oh, oh it sure is. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, take the 15 minutes to watch the thing he did with Andre Ward on YouTube leading up to the ESPN fight this week. It opens with them playing ping pong. <laughs> and Crawford has a table right in the middle of his gym. And not only were they playing ping pong, but Crawford's videotaping Andre Ward doing 50 push-ups as the loser um, after it's said and done. Everything not only has a winner-loser, and Crawford expects to be the winner, there's also a punishment on the backside of that when you do lose, and he's going to make you feel humiliated uh, for not being able to stand up to the challenge, no matter what it is. As you as you mentioned before, you know, he did it in cornhole on uh, <laughs> Halloween with right. – with, uh, with people in the neighborhood that he didn't even know. He walked past, they were playing in the yard, and he's like, hey guys, I'll be back. And he came back and he would play with those guys until he learned how to do the game and then beat them and wasn't going to leave until he had.
1: Uh, this is great insight. I mean, there's insight and then there's top shelf, and Tony Boone would be on the top shelf when it comes to Terrence Crawford. Gut feeling, is this over quickly? Uh, we may be selling Kavalaskis a little short here, but we don't. we don't believe he has the skill set or the punch do we believe this will be quick at the Garden Saturday night? Project for me, please, Tony. Uh,
4: I guess it depends on your definition of quick, and it also probably depends how Kavalowski or depends on how Cavilouskus you know attempts to fight Crawford. Um, I heard him say earlier this week that he can't do what he normally does, which is try <laughs> to come forward because he thinks that that'll be right in the Crawford's wheelhouse. And uh, while that may add some longevity to the fight, um, it's probably not not his best way out. You don't go in against you know perhaps the best pound for pound fight of the world and say, you know, I'm not going to do what I'm best at and come away with a victory in this thing. Um, I think Kavalowskis is a tough guy. I think he'll be able to take a punch from Crawford. So I would imagine this would go to at least the middle rounds, but it might come to a point as a lot of Crawford's fights do. Um, it, it, how much will do you have to stay in there and, and try to continue doing it? And a lot of time in Crawford fights, the, the beatdown over time becomes so one-sided that it it eventually comes to a corner having to make a decision on how much you know they want their guy to take, and that's kind of what happened, you know, with the Amir Khan fight earlier this year. Um, They knew their guy was in trouble. They asked him if he wanted to continue fighting, even though Crawford's punch landed low there. And uh, they got no side from their fighter. They they really wanted to go on, and uh, he pulled the plug in the fight. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened again here. Um, Kavlowskis isn't a guy that's been tough to hit in the past, and Crawford's extremely accurate. So um, I don't expect Terrence to start slow this weekend. And I I think Kavalowskis at some point has got to to decide whether he wants to uh, really do this or not. And uh, that may lead to him going out on his shield if he wants to stand up and go toe-to-toe with Crawford. But I think the skill set between the two is just a little uh, too far. And I know Terrence has seen Kavalowskis fight a lot. I sat right behind uh, Terrence in Oklahoma City last, I think it was November. Uh, It wasn't Kavalowskis' last fight, but it was the fight uh, before that. Um, and, and Crawford was right there. That was the night that he and Spence actually met each other in, in Oklahoma City at the arena because they were both there to watch Maurice Hooker fight. But I know Crawford's taken a good look at Kavalaskis in the past in preparation uh, for this title defense that he knew was probably coming because it was his mandatory.
1: All right, we'll see what happens at the Garden Saturday. Again, fantastic stuff from Tony Boone. I always love his insight. Uh, again, follow him at Tony G TonyGBoone uh, there on social media. He'll be watching this. Omaha will be watching this. It'll be a big deal. The country will get to see it on Big ESPN, not on the streaming app, not on ESPN Plus or on pay-per-view. So this will be on right after the Heisman Trophy uh, presentation for college football on Saturday night on ESPN. Late night as the main event. From the garden. Tony, thank you. Always love uh, your insight uh, and your help on this. Good luck to you. And uh, you're a friend here to the podcast, the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I appreciate you jumping on board, sir.
4: You bet. Always happy to
1: do it. There is Tony Boone. That'll wrap it for the Big Fight Weekend podcast. My thanks to Marquise Johns, BigFightWeekend.com. He'll be writing all about these events. I may pop on as well on the site about all of these fights, including the Lopez-Comey undercard fight. Also, Keith Eidick, BoxingScene.com. He'll be there at the Garden covering things. SeniorWriterBoxingScene.com. And Tony Boone uh, with us right here from Omaha. Tony G. Boone on Twitter. I am merely TJ Reeves. Enjoy the main event. Crawford and Mean Machine will be back. Uh, obviously before Christmas here talking about this fight in the in the recap mode and looking ahead of the fight to the fights at the end of the year as well on another edition of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bye.
4: Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
4: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.